This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast. We are the dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Saints FC. On this week's podcast, we'll chat Liverpool after the 2-1 defeat for Saints at St Mary's. We'll also preview next weekend's visit to Brighton and Hove Albion. And sandwiched in the middle of that, we'll talk about the fabulous Maya Yoshida and a brilliant gesture he's offered the Saints Foundation this week. We'll also reflect on the fans forum. And I'll also crash into one of our TSP patrons, Jamie Pragnall, who was on holiday with his family in Devon. Apologies again, Miss Pragnall. Speaking of patrons, a big shout out to Marcus Palminger, who became a Klaus Flindit van Patreon patron this week. Quite a mouthful. But Marcus, very much appreciate it from all of us and thank you. Speaking of our Patreon support, we're working on several new things with some of the funds that you guys have been giving us, which we hopefully should be able to finalise and start to communicate the next few weeks. Right, Adam is here, Steve is here, I'm here, so let's crack on. In partnership with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk, this is Total Saints Podcast, episode 81, sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Me? I could never own a hot tub. Stop it. That's the kind of negative thinking that's preventing you from sitting in a hot tub right now. Talk to Happy Hot Tubs today, where owning a hot tub is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your hot tub. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose the way you pay with 0% finance available on selected models. I could own a hot tub. That's the spirit. You deserve happy with Happy Hot Tubs. Happyhottubs.co.uk Saints started their home campaign with a 2-1 loss to Liverpool this weekend. A bit disappointing, Adam, but probably what we expected. A bit same old, same old with Saints. Some soft goals, some frustrating misses, but all in all, some encouraging signs? Yeah, I mean, it's, yes, yes, there were, there were encouraging signs, yeah. Um, certainly much better than what we saw at Burnley, uh, which was you know, very much needed. 
um, kind of fell into that category of games that Saints have sort of had quite a lot of in the last few years, even when they've been struggling against some of the big teams where you kind of can see them giving them a good game and they do, but you never really have any confidence that they're going to get anything from it. There's always going to be something is going to happen or they're going to make some error. Um, And obviously the margins when you're playing the quality of players, uh, those top six teams and particularly the top two, um, Liverpool, Man City, uh, you know, they're so fine that you just can't, you can't afford to make any mistakes basically. Um, So there were some encouraging signs. There were some positives, but there were also a few worrying signs in amongst it all as well. I think the, obviously, I think most people are now talking about um, the fact that despite our hopes that kind of a whole summer of of work would sort of tighten up the defence, it's it's just not happening. And the same sort of guys are, are are playing every week as, as, as have been the last couple of seasons and those individual errors are still coming. And yeah. you just think, how do you plug those? If you're Ralph, how do you stop them? There's been three or four managers who haven't been able to. Um, and I guess the other slightly concerning thing is um, just, just the need to get off, uh, get off and running. I mean, mm. it's not losing to Burnley is no great shakes. Really You'd like to have got a point, but not the end of the world away from home. Losing to Liverpool at home, you expect to lose that game. So nothing has happened that causes any real need for concern. But it's just that kind of unspoken pressure of, oh, we haven't got any points. Mm. Um, And the longer that goes on, obviously, the more the the pressure builds. They kind of just need to try and release that pressure valve. And and in particular, I think that uh, um, even though in some ways the summer dulls things, I think that there is a slight sense of awareness. I, I, I get the sense that... This is quite a long run now without a win yeah. you know, in the Premier League. It's seven games without a win now, if you include the end of last season. Um, and and then you start to think, blimey, there was just one blip, basically, last season where they won a heap of games. And mm. before that and after that, they've struggled. So they kind of just need to, I think, just get over that by getting something on the board and getting up and running. Um, even though, as I said, I don't. there's no real cause for concern in that these aren't too gimme fixtures that they've blown at the start of the season yeah reflecting on what you said last week I uh, took a look at the fixture list when I was making my notes and uh, yeah it does look kind of worrying when you're not picking up points and you're struggling to score goals I know it's only two games but uh, look Steve um, Ralph brought in my Yoshida obviously he was listening to our podcast last weekend and uh, also Pierre Emma Hoiberg came back uh, Danny Ings came out again Adam has spoken about that after the Burnley game so what did you make of those changes and then what was your general view on the game as well well, it was exactly the the eleven that I would have picked. So I'm mm. glad that um, glad that he's been been listening to my sage words from last week. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think the lineup just made us look more solid. I mean, yeah, obviously individuals will will continue to make mistakes because they're mistake prone players. Yep. It's that's the that's the long and short of it. And there's there's a reason why we've not been able to shift um, so many players uh, this summer. It's because their their sort of back catalogue is um is vast in kind of the negative uh, terms rather than in in the positive so mm. um i mean i i thought we played pretty well yesterday to be honest yep. it was um i would i would actually go as far as to say we were better against liverpool yesterday for a longer period of the game than we were in that game on that friday night at the back end of last season yeah, where obviously we we were all sort of quite happy with the way that we played, and obviously Liverpool getting two goals on the break in the last ten minutes was 
disappointing, but didn't really cloud our cloud our sort of opinion of the game. Whereas I think yesterday we were at a higher level when we uh, for a sort of longer period. Mm. So I think for the certainly for the first half and pretty much the whole of the first half we were we were very good. I yeah. thought, and I mean, how much of that is down to Liverpool? I mean, Liverpool were, were very clearly not not on their game, but at the same time how much of that is down to them and how much of that is down to us putting them under more pressure than perhaps they were expecting. Mm. There was an interesting um, swing, wasn't there, midway through the first half in that Liverpool actually started quite fast, didn't they, which I know that they like to do anyway. But then there was that, you kind of felt like, oh, Saints were on the back foot here. This this could, you know, they could concede any moment. And then Milner got that head injury and went off and Liverpool were down to 10 men for about eight, about eight to 10 minutes in that half. It was a long time because he went down the tunnel to have stitches um into the in the dressing room so it was a long period and that kind of them going down to 10 saints just gained a foothold then and sort of started to ramp it up they created a couple of chances in that period and that and it was interesting because that sort of that one moment really swung the balance because then it, it was just a much more even contest when even once milner came back on and liverpool were back up to 11 again it was a it was weird how these sort of little things happen and contribute but that i really thought that was quite significant for Saints getting that into the game but yeah then like Steve said they really um they really did give it a a, a properly good go especially in that first half and it was just we were first, I was sat in the press box and the board went up for the the additional time at the end of the first half and and literally I just turned around and to my colleague and said well, they've just got to make sure they don't concede now. Mm. Well, and, yeah, and that was and just the most predictable thing ever, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't yeah. it just? I think that's the frustrating thing, though, isn't it? I mean, again, it's early days this season, but you look historically the last sort of two, three years, and when we've played well against teams like Liverpool, who clearly were in sort of third gear probably after their uh, trials uh, during the week, but we still lose the games, don't we, Steve? That's the frustrating thing. It is, and I mean, I think I think I'd be slightly more annoyed with the situation had we not created any chances yeah but we should have put two or three of those chances um away mm. i mean yoshida's kind of just stretching for it for his header and it's like well okay just guide it and you think from that close range um anywhere but more, straight at him well you're, you're more likely to score than not i think yeah and um i mean it's just hit the keeper he, he knows nothing about it mm. um and then second half you've got um, I mean, after immediately having got one back, all of a sudden our tails are up, and um, uh, and we really should have got something from the game because uh, you can't you can't miss you can't miss a chance like that that Ings missed um, six yards out. I mean, he's he's got so many different options he can choose. He can he can side foot it with his right foot into the near post. Yeah. He could side foot it with his right foot into the far post, which is what he's tried to do, and obviously miss hit it miss hit it completely. Yeah. Um, he could open his body up and use his left foot mm. and and tap it in either side. Um, he could even, I mean, what he could even have done was miss the ball completely. Well, I was going to say, so and, always and scuff it in. Then, yeah. yeah and the, well, the ball then probably hits either Ward-Prowse or Armstrong, who are both lining up behind him to tap it into an open goal as well. And, it, yeah. and you just think, well, how is it possible for for players to miss chances like that? It's just just extraordinary. Yeah. Just um, before we talk about sort of some of the positives, as in you know at least getting on the score sheet and Jenipo and things like that, Adam, you obviously caught up with Ralph afterwards. So, what did you make of his reaction? He sort of seemed a little bit disappointed, a little bit frustrated, a little bit encouraged. Maybe all of the three, really. 
Yeah, probably was. He was in a he was in a much brighter mood than he was after um, Burnley. Mm. After Burnley, as we we talked about last week, he, you know that was he was very low indeed. Um, but but not so much this time. I think he um, he felt that yeah, like we all did that they gave Liverpool a game. Um, again, it was individual errors, and, and as Steve quite rightly says, individual errors at both ends. It's not you can't just point the finger at the defence yep. uh, for for some mistakes when you know you. You're missing good chances. Yes, I, I would completely accept that Liverpool missed a few as well. So it was kind of probably fair all, all in all. But even so, if you get that chance in the last couple of minutes, you've got to take it. You can't you can't miss. Not at this level. Saints are getting punished time and again for presenting chances like that. So when mm. they get them, they have to take them. That's that's a that is, a, you know, that is just the way the Premier League is. You've got to be ruthless. You've yep. got to be clinical. Um, but Ralph, I think, yeah, I think he just said, look, we haven't got any points. And, and yeah, that's not great from two games. Um, but, I, you know, he said I'd be much more concerned if, if we weren't kind of winning the ball and creating chances, like Steve said. And But the fact that we are and, and you know, we've done it against a very good team in Liverpool um, kind of gives me hope that we are sort of moving in the right direction. Yeah, just briefly then, we'll uh, we'll touch on the fans forum a little bit, uh, sort of midway through the pod, Adam, but you'd obviously analysed and commented on it after the Burnley game. It was interesting to hear Ralph sort of say at the fans forum that he is looking around for an assistance, so I think that probably is something that maybe we weren't sure about, but, you know, again, we'll help him sort of take some of that burden that you've spoken about in games like that. It's so hard to say, isn't it? Because I don't think it's really for anybody to say you need to do this, you need to do that. Because you know, in anybody's individual job, you have your own way of doing things. But I think that there are, and I, I've actually spoken. I wrote a comment piece about it, and before I did, I did actually speak to a couple of former Saints managers. I won't say who, but about the situation, just to kind of get a feel for for what um, that that feeling is about assistant managers and whether they really are sort of as vital as they seem from the outside and I mean the, the people I spoke to certainly said yes because they said when they were managing they um, they felt that having somebody there just to bounce an idea off of a sounding board somebody to listen to to ease the pressure on you um, as well as the actual practical um, implications of what they do yeah. um, are big and you know since Danny's gone and it's become public knowledge you know, I have had some conversations with with people who have talked, um, you know, players and etc. who have talked very glowingly about how good his training was and, and how effective he was as an operator. And so that, you know, has made me think even more as a substantial loss for him to have gone. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, Ralph cuts quite an isolated figure at the moment on the touchline. It's kind of him. And then there's this sort of next line of people that are clearly kind of the next rung beneath him yeah. but then there's no there's no kind of intermediary and you wonder with like some of the decisions that are made you know, would you want somebody just to say what about this yeah. or have you thought about that and he might turn around and go yes I'm doing this anyway fine he is the boss at the end of the day but um, there is that aspect to it and also the fact that Ralph is got this i mean i've got to say an incredible appetite for work mm. it's amazing i mean the you know he is just totally all in on this yeah um this job which is great obviously for saints but um and as much as he would laugh at this and and would sort of just joke you know you don't need to worry about me 
I do worry a little bit about him mm. because anybody who takes on that much and in a what is a real pressure cooker environment on their own, that's that's a lot. And I mean, he is not just trying to be like a, a modern day first team coach. He's trying to have an influence in other areas of the club, in the yep. academy, in the the staffing and things like that around the first team as well. And th- this is a that is a huge task to try and undertake and to keep your eyes firmly on the ball of the next game, the next opponent, you know, dealing with the right back or whatever it may be. Um, it's a big burden to carry. And yeah, it might not be too bad now, but what's it like six months down the line when the dead of winter, when you've got all these games every two minutes and things like that, it gets harder and harder. So I think that for, you know, you just don't want Ralph to kind of have suffer any burnout or anything like that either. So I think that it is totally up to him, but I can certainly see the value of having somebody else there. But of course he's got to be the right person because it's got to be somebody he respects and trusts and could build a working relationship with and of course that's not so easy to find yeah absolutely all right well let's finish with a a couple of positives then steve we mentioned the uh, ugly side of danny ings earlier in his miss but good for him to get on the score sheet good for saints to get on the score sheet and not sort of still be a a blank after a couple of games like watford obviously it came in comical circumstances but you take a goal like that any day of the week well they all count the same don't they whether it's uh whether it goes in off someone's arse or whether it's a 40-yarder into the top corner. So, um, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll take it. And it does kind of show that he's his energy levels are, are reasonably high. I mean, obviously, I know he only came on as a sub, so yep. he was only on the pitch for 25 minutes, half hour or so. But the fact that he was chasing the keeper down, even when at that stage of the game, it, the game looked done. Yeah, we, we didn't. We looked like we'd kind of run out of ideas at that point. And all of a sudden, they've given us this route back into the game. And, um, yeah, so he, he obviously anticipated where Adrian was going to pass it to. And, I mean, Adrian obviously made a complete pig's ear of it anyway. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you've, you've got to be there to in order to affect that sort of block. Um, and it was interesting that Liverpool were absolutely determined to play every single goal kick short. Yep. Um, I struggle to remember them actually taking a single goal kick that went out of the area. Mm. Um, whereas... Um, I mean, this was something that both intrigued and annoyed me um, with our um, attempt to kind of do the same in that we we split two of the centre backs either side of um, either side of gun for the goal kick. And they'd both be sort of looking to receive the ball. And obviously attackers can't come in the area until till the ball's played. And yet um, so you'd have Vestergaard on one side, Bednarek on the other. And. Gunn would just refuse to pass it to them because he thought, oh, well, um, Salah's 10 yards away. Therefore, um, that's too dangerous a pass to play. That's the whole point. <laughs> the whole the whole point of, of doing these short goal kicks is that you play the one, play the pass immediately and then either another pass um, wide to the fullback or inside to the middle, either the middle centre half or a holding midfielder then becomes available. If it doesn't, it goes back to the keeper and he can then play a dink over to the fullback. That's, that's the, that's the way this, this system is supposed to work. Yeah. And the fact that they've set the defenders up to stand there and, and look like they're showing for these goal kicks suggests that they've been working on that in training. And that is, that is the idea that we're trying to play from the back from goal kicks. And yet not a single one, was played short in the end because whether it's Gunn or whether it's one of the centre-backs didn't have the confidence to say, yes, give me the ball. Mm. And that's, that's a, that's a concern when that's clearly 
a fairly major thing that we'll have worked on. All right, and just finally then, Adam, uh, Misa Dinepo uh, made his debut. Um, I think quite a few Saints fans sort of felt it was quite lively. I thought he showed a bit about him when he came on. So what did you make of that? Yeah, nice little cameo, wasn't it? Mm. Um, uh, yeah, he's, he's uh, showed that he's got a little bit about him. Um, I think there's definitely going to be a kind of, <laughs> you know, the comparisons with Mane are inevitable. Um, but uh, yeah, a bit of that kind of, chaos factor yeah. that Mane brought especially at Saints when you know he's he's obviously improved massively since he's gone to Liverpool but um yeah that kind of <laughs> you've got Papawego almost I thought that yeah, was what went yeah. from my mind yeah exactly all those kind of guys without, you're right the offside <laughs> yeah but um yeah you know what these these some of these real quick guys are like they kind of they can't almost keep up their bodies can't keep up with their brains <laughs> sometimes and and yeah, maybe he's going to have a little bit of that. I don't know. When I asked Ralph about him and Danzo and kind of where they were in, in fitness wise before the game, Ralph sort of really talked up Danzo, but did say that sort of Gineppo is going to need a bit longer to really be ready. But what a, a terrific option for them to have as a as an impact player. Mm. That's exactly what you want, isn't it? 15, 20 minutes to go. Bring on somebody who's just got raw pace to burn and also you know a fair amount of talent uh, you know in his locker as well it's a it's a fantastic substitute to have um and when you look at the saints bench it does look an awful lot stronger now and when you consider again the likes of shane long haven't even made the cut again for the match day squad stevens who started at, at burnley was out of the squad entirely um no yeah foul either yesterday no yep no foul. yep you're quite right so there's some there's some pretty good players there that aren't even getting on the bench now yeah well all in all that's 11 league wins in a row for Liverpool against Saints pretty depressing stuff but you never know maybe we'll pick something up at Anfield Moving on to a few other things that have happened this week then, we're not going to dwell on the fans for them because it wasn't overly spectacular and we've obviously covered them off a few times, you know, it's obviously good that Saints are doing them, but Steve, I know you wanted to briefly uh, comment on it and then I was just going to ask Adam about Martin Simmons, so before I do that, what was your general view on it, Steve? I don't think we've really learned anything, which I guess isn't new, um, and it's it's one of those it's one of those frustrating situations, I mean, the, the club obviously do these do these forums uh, once a year with Radio Solent, which it's a fixed time period. You've only got, I and mean, you've not even got an hour, I don't mm. think, so it doesn't go from seven to eight. It goes from seven to about five, two, and there's a break or two in, in between as well. Yep. So you're, you're very limited by time. And yet so often the um, the whole thing is kind of dominated by people who either like the sound of their own voice or want to kind of demonstrate how much of a super fan they are by reading off their entire supporting life story. <laughs> the, 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 point of, the point of these things is for fans to get answers to pressing questions. Mm. So ask your question. Just ask the question, get it done. No, nobody cares about your life story. I'm sorry, but it's just, it's, it's tedious. When if the if the club do were to bring bring back the sort of quarterly forums that they used to do, where you're not really time limited, you can go from seven till half ten or whenever whenever any, everyone's bored, because it's not being it's not being broadcast anywhere. It's it's not limited by um, airwave time. Mm. 
and in that in that period, yeah, do do what you like, fill your boots, um, let the club know that you're um, that you've not missed a game for um, 137 years or something, <laughs> um, which, which would be which would be some achievement. You know, I totally understand what you're saying, and totally agree with you. I guess my view would be that uh, some people probably would say, well, in inverted commas, you go along and ask your question, then if other people are doing it, they can ask what they want to ask. Yeah, but the problem is that you don't necessarily get to ask a question because somebody has taken five minutes to ask a one-liner yeah, um, yeah. previously. Well, I, I thought it was nice to hear that Ted Sainty, bless him, has followed Saints for 81 years, so good on Ted. But uh, there we go. Moving on quickly then, Adam. Um, look, I didn't get to uh, watch it at real time because I was too busy being mocked on the Anfield rap about how Liverpool were going to destroy us and all that sort of thing. But I did watch it back and uh, I have to say, just drawing one thing out, I thought Martin Simmons came across excellently. First time I've obviously... Uh, heard him I think many Saints fans as well I know you've uh, spoken to him and uh, that sort of thing but I thought he represented the board very well and very encouragingly yeah I thought he did well I thought he did well for a first kind of go at something that's quite as public facing as that was um also Toby Steele is very good you know he's um I like Toby he's a nice guy he's um pretty straight up as well um and I you know I have a lot of confidence in, in him and in them as people who are running the club on a day-to-day basis. I would agree with Steve, the overall, um, you know, when it finished, I was like, well, I, I mean, literally, I was like, well, I've learned nothing from that at all mm. um, that we didn't know. Um, you know. When I was vaguely amused by the sort of um, kind of talk of, wow, it's amazing how open they were. And I thought, well, actually, on two or three of the things that they were kind of pushed on, they, they actually closed up a little bit, I thought, um, which I understand why they did that totally, mm. and I don't blame them. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know what to make of the forums, to be honest with you. They're, they are, I think the difficulty is that that I agree with Steve. And I, as a journalist, I sit there and think, Oh God, you know, like Steve, the clock's running down. There are people asking like completely pointless questions or talking about their life stories and things and, and stuff like that. And you just think, Oof. but the, that, that is kind of also the point of them, isn't it? I guess mm. they aren't that it's difficult to accept, but you just kind of have to accept the point that you, you know, I think I've listened to maybe 14 or 15 fans. Saints fans forums in the 18 years I've covered Saints I don't think I've learned a single thing out of any single one of them yet mm. so um, that that's just the way it is the truth is that the Saints are as we've discussed before relatively good they will put up one or two like a Martin Simmons a Toby Steele a couple of times a year and myself and maybe one or two other journalists will actually get to interview them and that's when we find out the stuff and then whatever's found out from there is occasionally then repeated in the fans forums. But with all due respect, you know, I know that um, I know journalism looks easy, but, but people are paid to be journalists and they train to be journalists. It takes years of experience to be able to sit in those environments face to face with those people and ask probing questions, have a line of questioning that you're following to get an answer. Um, And while you're in that environment with people who are just, you know, a lot of them are happy to be there. They're probably completely starstruck uh, being in the same room as some of these people. You're good. You're just going to get that. It's just what you're going to get. Yeah. There we go. Right. Well, let's move on then. Um, let's move on to something actually, which was uh, pretty amazing. So earlier this week, the Saints Foundation, Southampton Football Club's charity partner, 
announced that Japanese defender Maya Yoshida was to contribute 1% of his wages to them going forward. Maya, a truly lovely guy, as I think any Saints fan would tell you, said, quote, I've been here for seven years now and I've got a lot from the club and from the city. Now it is time for me to give something back to them. I want to work closely with the Saints Foundation to do something special for the people in this city. Steve, just simply, what a guy, what a gesture. It is, although I'm actually quite surprised that, that this sort of thing doesn't happen as a as a matter of course. Because I know that if you take the England football team, all their match fees automatically go to charity. Um, so I'm quite surprised that the club doesn't kind of have a pool of of cash like from players. I mean, cool. I mean, obviously the the fine system that they've got internally will will obviously go to charity as well. But quite surprised that players haven't been doing this sort of thing before. Um, but the fact but, is, yeah, I mean, they haven't, and obviously he's under no obligation to do it either. No, so not. I think for him and, to do it is no, a I mean, real the, the, yeah. The fact that the fact that he's he's the guy that's that stuck his stuck his hand up and said, "Yep, yeah, I'm going to do this." No, all, all credit to him, and it, and it is it is very good. Um, and I mean, maybe that'll persuade a few more to do it. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously Juan Mata started up his um, his foundation thing um, was it a year ago or maybe two years ago now. Um, he's got um, got quite a lot of um, a lot of players from all from all across Europe um, contributing in in a very similar manner. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think the the amount of money that that footballers at the top end are paid. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they, they should all be contributing to causes like this. Yeah, well, good on you, Maya, all the same. Now, as most of you will know, and as I mentioned at the start, we're incredibly grateful to have a dedicated group of TSP patrons who support the pod via patreon.com slash totalsaintspod. One of those is lifelong Saints fan Jamie Pragnall, who is a Matt Letizio patron of ours, and earlier this week I caught up with him as part of the agreement for any Matt Letizio patron to chat supporting Saints favourite players and memories and of course being a patron. Here's what Jamie had to say while away on holiday in sunny Devon. Well Jamie it's uh, brilliant to have you on Total Saints podcast thanks for joining us. Um, obviously you're one of our TSP patrons. Um, I guess before we start talking briefly about the patron side of things um, keen to find out your background behind um, originally following Saints. So how did you get into becoming a Saints fan Jamie? Well my stepdad followed Saints still does. He scheduled a lot of the games in the 70s um, in the 80s and whatever. Uh, and he got me into football stickers back in the late 70s, early 80s as well, the Panini ones. Yep. And I used to get them every year, and I used to be in awe of seeing the players and stuff, and, you know, the stickers and, you know, all the names, the grounds and all the, the league. And I, I seem to have this vague memory that he took me to a reserve game at the Dell in the early 80s just to see what it was like. I don't know whether it's a dream or not, but I remember looking out of either the East or West Stand, looking over yeah. and seeing the players running up the wing. Probably just a taster to see what I felt, but he got me a half-season ticket in the '83, '84 season, yep. and I've not looked back from there. Um, first game was Leicester two-two yep. um, at home. A certain player called Gary Lineker scored twice. <laughs> come back from behind and drew two-two. Yeah, and um, that, that's it really. I've never looked back, and I've always collected football stickers as well, but particularly uh, Saints as well. We had um, Kevin Bond and Mark Dennis visited our old school right. back in the '80s as well, and my love for Saints has grown and grown over the years so yeah. it's been up and down since the early 80s I must admit but that's I've kind of got into them so yeah I mean I think my first game was 85 so I was a little bit behind you but I've seen some fabulous uh-huh. players during that time so when you were growing up following the yeah. Saints then Jamie who were your idol or your idols first players were uh, Steve Moran and mm-hmm. Danny Wallace you used to love watching Danny Wallace down the wing he used to score great goals he actually scored the first game we went to against the home to Leicester um, I just loved the way he used to play. A lot of pace, freedom, 
um, and just idolised him, mm. just watch him at the ground there. Uh, you know, as soon as you went to the upper tier of the Milton, is that where you used to go? Is it? I, I was, I was right at the top. Yeah, I used to hold on to the bars right at the top of the Milton Road stand, and then as I really? got a li- little bit older, um, we went lower west, and uh, yeah, basically, yeah. I think I said this before in the pod, but when you sat lower west stand, uh, if the ball went more than about yeah. ten foot in the air, you couldn't see it. Yeah, yeah, I used to be in the upper family centre. My stepdad made me a bench, <laughs> a foldaway bench, yeah. to stand on, yeah, uh, and look over the edge. So I was right at the front row yeah. in the upper Milton, and just that vast green pitch as you walked up you could see it was beautiful yeah um you could hear all the you know oh when the saints the old record that they made and it was great but yeah, yeah. danny wallace was going back to him he was my favorite player then yeah uh yeah. growing up because one of the first players that i saw and seeing him in the sticker albums you know seeing him in front of me it's just i was in awe fantastic seeing him yeah and obviously you will have seen i dread to think how many games jamie i'm going to say hundreds yeah. of games during that i'm sure like all of us most of them have been disappointing but uh, um, yeah. you know in terms of your uh, sort of one or two memorable games i mean what, what's the games that yeah. stick in the mind beating coventry 8-2 that season yeah um in 84 again steve moran danny wallace scored a hat-trick each beating Tottenham 5-0 two weeks later before they won the uefa cup in 84 yeah um the world famous matt atizia game where he scored twice in front of the sky cameras against Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what can I say that everyone has already said it? Great game that was. St Mary's has been a few. Obviously, Sunderland 8-0. And, yeah. and actually, last season was a great one for me. Arsenal yeah. putting in as well. Uh, you know, Harrison Hutt was one of his first home wins. Yeah. Coming from behind. Such a great atmosphere. You know, leaving St Mary's like that. Uh, it was so great. You know, yeah. coming away on a high because you get so used to feeling down, leaving sometimes with draws and whatever, but yeah. leaving with such an adrenaline rush just recently. Fantastic. I think that's the good thing about it, isn't it? That's the thing I've always thought is, you know, we, we know we're going to get lots of downs as Saints fans, but actually there'll yeah. be one or two amazing highs throughout every single season that you follow Saints. Yeah, you do. I mean, you know, sometimes you kind of wonder what you're doing there. <laughs> uh, you know, you think, oh, I'm going through the motions with my season ticket. But sometimes, you know, you have a good run, yeah. you know, and it's great to go into work on the Monday morning. So did you see the game? Did you see the goal? Did you see the result? And it just boosts you, the city, your friends and the family conversations in the weekend. It's brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And what what about the current team then? Obviously, we're recording this ahead of the Liverpool game. Um, disappointed start at Burnley, but, you know, obviously we're all very much behind the Ralph Express. Yeah. In terms of this season, the you know, maybe a bit of a nervous start. Um, what have you made of that and what are your sort of hopes for this season, Jamie? Do you know what? I think Ralph, he's, he's a great man motivator and a great coach of players. Um, he's just on the touchline. I mean, after we've had Kiel, Pellegrino and Hughes, it's very much downcast. Mm. You, you know, you see him on the pitch and he really cares. He celebrates every goal that we score and he's almost like a 12th man as far as the team's concerned. Yep. And it rubs off on the players and you can't ask for any more than that. You know, when we had the likes of Pure Pellegrino, it's like, yeah, whatever, they care too much. Mm. Um, and when you've got young players like Che Adams that have come in, that's such a good thing. You turn around with Nathan Redmond, it's fantastic, yeah. you know. Signing that new contract like that, such a different player. You know, when he first joined, I had such high hopes for him. And yep. I'm so disappointed with him midway for his first season. But what he's doing now, it's absolutely fantastic. So I've got high hopes for us this season. Um, you know, I'm hoping that we're going to be at least mid-table or above. Yeah. Um, we, we are going to have a good run at some point and I think we're, we're not that bad a team um, we're maybe one player short of being good but you know if we keep injuries out of the team I think we'll be fine we had a good run last season we brought in three players we've not messed around too much with the squad mm. uh, okay there are players we need to get rid of but they are really not going to play so they're not going to affect us in any way so 
I think there's a lot of positivity about the team. We just need to get a good run and not make too many mistakes like we did against Burnley at the weekend. Moving on to the the patron side of things, then as yeah. uh, as I mentioned in the intro, um, you're a, a Matt Letizia patron of ours. Very very much appreciated for your support, Jamie. Right. So I guess it was just getting a feel, you know, as a, as a listener is one thing, but becoming a patron is yeah. a, a commitment we really appreciate. So why did you decide to become a, a TSP patron? Well, you know, I've I listened to a, a few football podcasts and a couple of Saints ones, and they're all good. But I think with yours, it's just honesty and level headed. You know, if we've been crap, you'll say so got Adam there who's got an inside track so to speak you know you're getting it from his perspective you're getting a, an opinion where he talks to the manager Ralph and the players and that self Steve well you know what he says great he says what he feels he, doesn't he, he yeah <laughs> yeah he's, he's you know black and white that's it he's, he's an opinion there's no sitting on the fence with him yeah you know Lucy as well I've come across over Twitter and stuff and I do think it's a great podcast it's just so much more relaxed mm. I, I go running a lot so I you know listen to it and it, the conversations that you have they're just so relaxed and I, I just like the atmosphere and the feel of it it's, it's great it no. really is good and it, I felt I wanted to kind of give back and as a way of saying thank you especially we just celebrated was it two years yeah we have yeah it was our two yeah. uh, two year anniversary um, the week before last yeah so it's a lot of hours Jamie I think during that talking yeah. about often depressing things via Pellegrino and Mark Hughes and things like that so yeah it's uh, it's a it's a love affair I think but really appreciate your kind words and I, you know for me I mean I'm like you I'm a passionate Saints fan and it's just a chance every week to, to come and talk about Saints and that's the thing that alongside our families I think is the biggest love in our yeah. lives really isn't it yeah, it's nice to be involved. I know I don't work on the podcast or whatever, but it's nice to feel that I've got some kind of involvement in what you produce yeah. um, indirectly. So at least I feel I just wanted to give something back to the great work that you do. And, you know, hopefully it helped grow the listeners that you have and, you know, via social media, help you to improve and, well, not, well, can you improve? You're really good already. But, yeah, you know, but I, know you, I know what you reach mean. Out yeah. further, Develop. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, right. fantastic. Yeah. So, all right then. Well, well, as I say, I mean, we're recording this pre-Liverpool, so it's a little bit unfair, but it will come out after that game ahead of the Brighton game. So my two predictions for you then, Jamie, just to finish up, is yeah. what do you think the score will be down at Brighton and which position in the league do you think Saints will finish this season? I think we're going to draw 1-1 away to Brighton. I'd be more disappointed if we scored first and drew 1-1. Mm-hmm. Because if they score first and we equalise, I think it'd be a lot of better result. But 1-1 is what I'm going for. Uh, Trey Adams is going to score easily, I think. <laughs> Brilliant. And, and where, I think whereabouts half, in the league? Yeah, I think, I think top half. Maybe ninth, I think. Not the worst team in the league, but then again... Every team's going to say that at this part of the season because it's mm. still kind of enthusiasm. But I'd be really happy with a really good cup in the tenth or ninth, I think. Yeah, brilliant. All right. Well, Jamie, I mean, keep doing a fantastic job as a supporter. And as I say, you know, with the chance to thank you personally on the phone, thanks for being a, a patron of the podcast, and uh, you know, really appreciate your support. No, cheers, Ben. Thanks for the great work that you do. It's fantastic. A big thanks to Jamie again, both for joining me on this week's pod and, of course, being a TSP patron. If you're also interested in signing up to support us, then please visit Patreon, which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Total Saints pod. Next up for Saints is a trip along the south coast to Brighton and Hove Albion. Adam, a win and a draw for Brighton so far, obviously away to Watford and then at home to West Ham after a summer that saw them splash the cash a little bit. So what do you make of their squad and uh, chances overall this season? 
I've got to say, I actually wasn't that optimistic for them, but they've actually started and, and looked from what I've seen, which is limited, uh, admittedly, but what I have seen, actually a bit better than I had expected them to be. And some of the couple of their newer signings also look and I'm reading the opinions of of a couple of people that, that who, whose opinions I respect as well down there, um, actually are look like they they've bought you know one or two good buys in amongst all the all the business they've done yep. wasn't overly convinced by the the appointment of of Graham Potter but again you know maybe he is just he is going to be a you know a bright bright new manager for the premier league mm. so like i said my overriding feeling was not not desperately optimistic for them but but maybe i'm proved wrong and it doesn't um it doesn't feel like a great time to play them, given that they've obviously had a good start, like they have, and they've obviously got their tails up a bit. But the kind of time is now for Saints, isn't it? They've got to do something now, really. You, Man United are certainly not Liverpool, but you don't want to go into Man United without any points on the board and starting to fret about, you know, getting to the international break with no points. So, um, yeah, they've got to do something. And that's that's kind of... Brighton are, Brighton are decent, but let's not for one second pretend that they're in the class that Liverpool are or really not perhaps in the class that Burnley are is the wrong, the wrong thing to say, but that they should pose exactly the same problems that Burnley did for Saints. I think that Saints should go there with some, with some confidence. This is a game they can win. And if they don't win, it is certainly a game they could take something from. Um, and that would be a good starting point. Yeah. Just briefly on that uh, Brighton situation then, Steve. Um, of course, as Adam mentioned, Graham Potter came in to replace Chris Hutton. Um, were you surprised Brighton let Chris Hutton go? And were you surprised that they replaced him then with Graham Potter, who's managed in England for one year and obviously not in the Premier League? I'm surprised it took them that long to bin Hutton, to be honest. <laughs> um, I mean, they were an absolute mess last at the sec- second half of last season. Yeah. And I mean, much like us the year before, they stayed up by default. Yep. rather than through actually being better. Yep. Um, they were absolutely appalling, and in many, many seasons, they would have justifiably been relegated by middle of March. Mm. Um, I mean, the game, that, the game that we played down at their place, they were just utterly lifeless. And yep. that was in a game where they had a genuine chance of winning, yep. and they showed no ambition to get beyond their own halfway line. It was absolutely staggering. Mm. And you can kind of see how... Um, sort of over time, and th- and this has been replicated at, at most of his other clubs as well um, with Chris Hewton, that he seems to revert, the default approach is to revert to pragmatism yeah. and being hard, uh, theoretically being hard to beat, which essentially just turns into being defensive. Um, and when, But when you're a team like Brighton, if you're defensive, then you're easy to beat mm. because you're not offering any sort of resistance to the opposition. There's no, there's nothing else for them to think about. And so them going for someone like Graham Potter, I think is a, is a positive move in the sense that you know, that his um, style of football is much more looking forward. Yeah. It's much, much more modern. Um, but at the same time, it's still not without its risks, obviously um, in the, obviously he's got no, no experience of, um, of the premier league, but of course he, he took Ostersons pretty deep in in the Europa League and overcame some um, overcame some big sides in in that run as well. Um, so, I mean, he's he's got he's got good credentials, but he's not the sort of 
not the sort of manager who's necessarily going to excite um, a, a team's fan base when you appoint him. Yeah. But I think, I mean, you, at the end of the day, you can't sniff at going going to Watford on the opening day and spanking them three nil. Um, as bad as Watford potentially may well be this season. Yeah. When he got the jobs, where one of my mates who's a Leeds United fan actually tweeted me to congratulate me on getting the job because I did. Uh, I probably looked a little bit like him when I had more hair, but he's uh, he's got far too much hair for me these days. But uh, look, I mean, do you agree with what Adam was saying? That uh, yeah, I mean, Adam, it pretty much sounded to me like Adam was saying this was must win. But uh, I, might, I might be putting words in his mouth. But <laughs> no, 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 you are um, not putting words in my mouth. I'm picking them up and I'm, I'm throwing them in yeah, the bin. There we go. Fair enough. That's uh, cleared that up then. But uh, I mean, yeah, I think all of us, Steve, Saints have got to get at least a point from this game, right? Get off and running. Yeah, definitely. Even with Brighton's uh, improved start and them looking a lot, a lot brighter, uh, for want of a better, better word. Um, I mean, as, as we discussed earlier, we we looked okay yesterday, I thought, and if we were playing against a weaker team, I'm sure we'd have won that game. Mm. Um, but you're up against a, a side that got what 98 points last season and still somehow didn't win the title yeah. hilariously. Shame, wasn't um, it? Oh yeah, my heart bled <laughs> uh, many, many times. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brighton are, are are the sort of side that we should be beating. Mm. And I actually kind of disagree with what Adam said earlier that Burnley, Burnley away is the sort of game where you don't necessarily expect something from because while our record up there isn't great um, and Burnley can have got the tools to kind of cause most teams a bit of a pain in the ass to say the least mm. it man for man. I don't think they're, um, they're the sort of side that we should be remotely scared of. And as a result, you should be going up to places like that and expecting to, well, at least compete and maybe, um, maybe get a win. You, you, I think you'd always be disappointed even, um, coming away with a, with a narrow defeat. Yeah. I think, they're they're not a they're not a, they're not a good side. They're not going to be they're not going to be competing in the top half of the league. Um, they're they're a, they're a direct rival um, at the moment. If we assume that we're going to be anywhere between eleventh and and seventeenth, mm, yeah. But um, I think um, therefore getting spanked three nil. Yeah, but I think I like you know like a lot of things. It's it's the the old adage about hard work over talent, isn't it? You know you can have talented players, but if they're not a you know, willing and able to put themselves around and get stuck in as we discussed last week. And I imagine it'll be the same down at Brighton, you know, on, on squad on paper, I'd say, you know, we're as good, if not better than them, but it's going to be about going down there and getting stuck in and being in their faces and wanting to get something out of the game, isn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, you've, you've got to do the, you've got to put the hard yards in as well as, as well as having the ability, the ability. Um, but I think, I think sometimes the sort of work rate thing is slightly overrated. Pretty much every, player is putting putting their effort in because that's yeah. that's what that's what they've had to do in order to become a professional and to get to the level that they are yeah um it's very rare that you actually you genuinely see players not putting in effort or or like tossing it off to get their um get the manager sacked i mean that's generally just a chelsea thing Obviously, it was a happy uh, hunting ground for us last season, Adam. The uh, cup win and then the league win as well. So, of course, there's a week of training ahead. What would you do for Saints in terms of the players you saw against Liverpool? Obviously, we've got Kevin Danser, who's going to be uh, another week towards getting up to match uh, fitness and that sort of thing. So, would you change much or would you leave it as was? Well, I think um, I'm going to assume here that he will stick with the back five. Um do we really need five at the back is... against a team like Brighton that I imagine is well, just going to play no, more no, up front? 
well, I would. I think he wants to go four two two two. I mean, we've spoken about this before. It's kind of. The, I think the reason that that they're not four two two two, even though you know Ralph can't say it and he might disagree, but I, I have a suspicion it might be true, is that there's kind of a strength in numbers at the moment. Yeah. Feeling about well, if we can't trust two of the centre halves to play together, then maybe if we stick a third one in, that's kind of going to make it less likely that we can see goals and so therefore we, you, you stick with that I would like to see at Brighton them go for at the back but I just don't know whether Ralph will feel that they're 100% ready to do that yet given sort of slightly fragile nature of um of Saints still at the back and given that it's two games and no points um I, I personally I would go with the four and I would try and go on the front foot and actually yep. You know, attack Brighton. Ultimately, Brighton are playing a style of football that is the kind of football that um, Saints wants to play against and they want to compete with. It's not too dissimilar to what Saints are going to be doing themselves. Um, Liverpool, Burnley don't play that style. Liverpool do play that style. um, And we saw Saints compete much better against Liverpool than they really did to be honest, against Burnley in some in some aspects of the game, um, but obviously Liverpool are fantastic and they've got brilliant players. Um, Brighton don't. Uh, they've got some good players, but they're a bit like Saints. They've got some good players. Mm. They're not. They're not Liverpool. They're not Man City. So they are the kind of team that that look very vaguely similar to Saints in a man for man. You know, over the you know, if you marked every player out of ten, maybe across the eleven. You, you probably wouldn't get too dissimilar a total um, at the end of it. I think Saints might even slightly edge it for me. But anyway, you you wouldn't be too far away. So and, and a style that Saints like. So I think that they they should go for it. They shouldn't be too nervy. They shouldn't be, you know, they need to try and put out of their minds the pressure of of needing to get something or feeling like they need to get something and just try and play their own game. This seems to me like... If we say that the first game was difficult because conditions were awful and Burnley play, you know, a very direct style. Second game was very difficult because you're playing one of the best teams in the world. Yeah. Um, then third game, to me, looks like a team that play a style you're going to like. They haven't got outrageous quality. That's that's a team that you can get, at, a team you can attack, a team you can play your own stuff. And, and yeah, the players can go out and express themselves as well and not have to worry so much about you know the opposition like they did against Liverpool so I would like to see them go on the front foot go for 2-2-2 um, I'm just not 100% sure and as for Kevin Danzo the question is always going to be when do you chuck him in when is the right time is the right time now do yep. you hang on a little bit um, you don't really want to play him perhaps against one of the big clubs would you rather play him in a three to start with so he's got a bit of time to bed in or are you happy just to stick him in a two and if you go two who is the other one that plays alongside him mm. so you kind of got to get the answers to all those questions before you can find the right the right solution i think yeah fair enough all right well let's do our predictions uh, unlike saints we're all uh, comfortably off the mark after uh, all predicting a liverpool win unfortunately so yeah we're all on one point no one got it quite right of course adam adrian letting you down adam you went first last week uh lucy's obviously still not here she'll be back here uh, next week i have got her prediction but i'm not going to ruin the uh, anticipation until you guys have done yours so uh, steve crack on two to win nice nice, nice. all right adam 2-1 Saints. 
Great. This is very, very positive. I'm sort of worried about mine. but uh, What could possibly go wrong? Exactly, right. So Lucy's gone for an entertaining Desmond. Uh, two all she's gone for. So uh, I got that prediction live in from Prague on the last day of her holiday. And uh, obviously, uh, in true style, I'm going for a 1-0 Brighton win. <laughs> This is a tactical move, isn't it, to try and desperately win the prediction league? It's, well, it's more psychological, Steve, as in I thought, you know, uh, hopefully uh, reverse psychology. The re- the reverse is, jinx. Yeah, exactly. So, But then I've been doing that for two years and it's not really paid off. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Thanks, as always, to Adam and Steve. As I say, Lucy will be back next week, which will be good as well. If you'd like to get in touch with any of us at any point, Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.com. The uh, mailbox is actively uh, monitored on a daily basis, so uh, feel free to send any opinions, feedback, comments, or questions through to us. You can also hear us. Uh, we've partnered with a new podcast that's being run by uh, Watford fan Andy Lewis called Stairway to Seventh. It doesn't mention anything about the top six, so when I did my match report, I did not mention the L word once or any of their players, which was quite fun actually. So you can hear us on Stairway to Seventh podcast. Onwards to Brighton anyway. Fingers crossed Saints can pick up something down there and that my prediction will be completely wrong. Until then, have a good week and keep marching in. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.